I'm so excited about this episode coming on. A listener reached out to me and said, hey, I got something to talk about. And I'm always listening to the suggestions because, you know, I get over 50 requests a week. But this one, I was like, yeah, let's do this show. So we're going to talk about endometriosis. And do you know what that is? I didn't really know too much about it. Next voice you hear, Miss Stacy. We'll talk a little bit about that. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carryout, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Show. My name is Aaron Dante, your fabulous host. I'm so excited to be here today. We have a great, great show. I'm so excited. Miss Stacy, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Aaron. How are you? I am so good. I'm so happy we finally made this happen. It's been in the works for a while. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to talk to you about it. No problem. It's all good. Don't worry about it. it <laughs> we live in the wreck. We live in the wreck. So question for you. So like when made you, let's talk about you first. Are you from Baltimore? Are you originally Baltimore? Give us a little background about you. Yeah, sure. I am. I, um, I'm actually from Baltimore County. Um, I grew up there. I left for a little bit to go to college in New York. Um, and then after college came back home to Baltimore and I've been here in the city ever since. Where'd you go to college in New York? Uh, I went to NYU. Okay. Okay. You were in the city. I was upstate. I was in Syracuse. So yeah, you know, I looked at Syracuse when I was, when I was applying and I didn't think I could handle those winters. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was still snowing up there. I had friends in town and it snowed up there like literally like the last week of April. So, I mean, <laughs> that's Syracuse for you. So what made you move back home? Was something, just, something just your family here or you just wanted to, you didn't want to stay in the Big Apple? Um, well, actually I got a job. Um, so I... Uh, I graduated in 2007, so actually right before kind of the economy fell apart, and I was feeling very grateful to get a job. Um, and uh, if any of your listeners are familiar, I worked at Pressbox, which is a local sports paper. Uh, that was my first job. And uh, yeah, from there, that job kind of went into some other journalism jobs, and now I work in um, book publishing. Nice, nice, nice. So thank you again. So people come on the show. I get a hundred requests. Why did you want to reach out to me and say, Aaron, like, let's talk about endometriosis. We'll talk about, but what made you reach out to me? I'm curious. I always ask, you know, cause I've never done yeah. this. I've never had a request where it's like, Hey, let's, let's, let's do this. So, um, you know, when I reached out to you, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I asked you if you actually went to the journalism school at Syracuse because I think you're a really fantastic interviewer. Um, and uh, apparently you're just a natural at it. Because, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love hearing the stories um, of the people that you have on. It, it kind of doesn't matter it, like where they're coming from or what their background is. 
if it's something I'm interested in or not. I find their stories always interesting when they're talking to you. Um, and of course, they're Baltimore stories. And um, part of my story is uh, inherently a Baltimore story. So um, it's something that I'm interested in getting the word out in our community. Um, so you were a natural person to reach out to. Hey, I appreciate it. Shout out to Newhouse because I know my Newhouse friends are probably listening right now. But, you know, <laughs> it's all good. But, you know, when you reached out to me, um, it was something that it just, I don't know what it was, but a lot of things were happening at that same time. And I had heard about endometriosis. I heard about it, but I was like, okay, I don't really know about it, but I'm seeing it pop up different places. And I know we were planning, it was end of, the endometriosis month in um, March, correct? Was it yep, March? that's right. And I know, like, I have the way I record, so people understand, I record probably about four weeks ahead of time, just in case something happens. And I was, like, trying to figure out how I could fit you in. I was like, oh, I can't. I really, really tried. And I was like, all right, let's, re, let's redo this. Let's do this right. And then we, April came around. Things happened in my life. And now we're here doing it first day, second day of May. And I'm excited to have you on. And let's just really get into the meat of things. Well, before that. We always ask the question. I'm not going to shortchange you on the questions. What is your favorite childhood memory growing up? I can't shortchange you on that. Ooh, uh, I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind are baseball games at Camden Yards. Um, I think I was around when Memorial Stadium was still here, and my dad probably took us to a game. <laughs> I think of like that. Uh, was it like a separate football league? But I, I almost don't remember that. So like Camden Yards is, um, yeah, holds a special place in my memory. Nice. I see. I grew up with Memorial Stadium. So I was there like in early 80s and like there was Eddie, Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken. And it was old school, like old school baseball. But that's cool, though, that you talk about Camden Yards. I was I had moved when Camden Yards opened up and I just remember getting peanuts going to Memorial Stadium. So. There was a football team there. There was like a different league. I don't remember. It yeah, just, the different league. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I can't remember yeah, yeah. I think we went to one of those games. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely remember that. And then you went to school at NYU, did a journalism, obviously, up there and whatnot, sounds like. Yep. So that's really cool. That's really cool. So we're going to get into the meat of it. Okay, let's talk about endometriosis. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, maybe some of my listeners may not know about it, never heard of it. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Okay. So endometriosis is uh, at its most basic when tissue that is similar to the inside of the uterine lining implants outside of the uterus. So typically when a person has their period every month, that's it's the shedding of that lining. But what's happening in endometriosis is it's growing in other places. Um, and that ends up causing a lot of different problems, um, most notably chronic pain, um, often with a person's period, but sometimes outside of that. Um, it can lead to infertility. Um, it can, it creates these lesions that make things inside of generally your abdominal pelvic region stick to each other. Um, so a lot of people end up having um, all kinds of problems that affect all kinds of different body systems, whether it's, um, you know, the reproductive system or the GI tract. Um, it causes all kinds of problems. And it's something that 
progressively gets worse. Um, however, it is really hard to diagnose. So a lot of people end up um, suffering with it for a really long time before they get an accurate diagnosis and accurate treatment. So what brought you into the sphere of like doing like being a strong advocate? We'll talk about the web, the page in a second, but sure. what got you so involved in this where, you know, like you have really like just are out there and, you know, in the forefront of just getting people educated about this. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I had always had bad, uh, menstrual cycles, uh, growing up. I went on birth control long before I was sexually active just to help manage the symptoms. Um, and that worked for me for a few years, except then I got a blood clot in my leg, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, like that can be a life-threatening condition. Um, and they determined that I had no other risk factors for it, that it was probably because I was on birth control. So they took me off of the birth control. Um, and once I was on the birth control, my everything kind of like all my symptoms came back. Um, I had chronic pain, um, both around my periods and it started like in between periods, um, heavier bleeding, uh, abnormal bleeding. Um, and endometriosis was never something I'd ever heard of. I had been talking to my doctors for years about this pain. I mean, ever since I had a pediatrician, I was still talking about these kinds of problems. Um, and, you know, we were talking about my job earlier and it's, um, after several years, I kind of landed in textbook publishing and was editing a book, um, a, a health sciences related book. And I read about endometriosis and I was like, it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, this, this sounds like me, this sounds like my symptoms. So the next time I was at my gynecologist just for a regular checkup, I said to her, um, you know, do you think I could have endometriosis? And she was really dismissive of it. She said, no, I don't think so. I, I think you're just a cramper, um, which, you know, at the time I was in my early twenties, I wasn't, I just accepted that as an answer. Um, but what she did tell me was the only way to really definitively diagnose it is by doing surgery uh, because there's no blood test, there's no scan or anything that they can do to identify it. So she's like, you know, since it's surgery, we'll want to wait um, until either you try to get pregnant and you can't get pregnant or your life becomes so unbearable that uh, you can't get through the day, which <laughs> looking back now, I, I don't really think is a great game plan. I don't think anyone should have to wait until they're in such a debilitating pain that they can't get through the day. Um, but at the time I accepted it. Uh, and then a few years later, um, my life did get so debilitating that I couldn't get through the day. Um, I went to the ER. Um, I didn't know what it was related to. I thought it could be all kinds of things because it was my whole abdomen. I was like, I don't know, maybe it's, this is what appendicitis feels like. I, like it could be all kinds of things and they ran all kinds of tests. And I mentioned to them that I thought I had endometriosis and they were like, yeah, that that's probably what this is. So my doctor did perform a surgery. Um, I've since learned that there's two types of surgeries you can have for endometriosis. One where they burn away the tissue and another where they cut it away. Um, 
And most general gynecologists perform the one where they burn it away. Uh, but in order to have the one where you cut it away, you need to find an expert surgeon and there aren't that many of them. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, my gynecologist did the regular one where you burn it away and I did not get better. I got significantly worse. Uh, she did not seem to know why. Um, she was just kind of stumped. Um, and I, she just kept saying, well, let's wait and see if it gets better. Let's wait and see. And th this was in 2015. I just, without trying, I, I lost like 15 pounds just because I was, I couldn't eat. I was so, I was in so much pain all the time. Um, and it was just horrible. I, I like couldn't, I could, I didn't really feel up to seeing my friends. I was tired all the time. I was in pain most days. Um, I'm a pretty active person and I couldn't be active the way I wanted to be. Um, and I kept kind of having to push her to, to stop with the like watchful waiting. Um, and she eventually sent me to a GYN oncologist who is not the right person uh, because it's not cancer. Um, and he put me on a drug that put me in temporary menopause. And he told me that it would cure the endo, which is not just simply not accurate. There is no cure right now for it. Um, but again, <laughs> it was sick and I was desperate. Um, and so I went on this drug and it's, it's a drug where you can't be on it long-term because, um, it can weaken your bones. It can have really dangerous effects. Um, and, but while I was on it, uh, my symptoms kind of went away. Um, I didn't get my period for about 11 months. And in that time, I just started writing about endometriosis. Like I just kind of for myself to kind of process what I'd been through. I also went through a breakup at the time, which seemed to me to be really tied into getting sick, uh, and feeling kind of abandoned, um, during that time. And it was just a very, it was, it was very traumatic. Um, and I posted it on medium. Um, if you're familiar with medium and I was kind of like clicking through one day, I, I did like a little series of essays and I noticed that my hits had just like skyrocketed. And I was like, I wonder why. And I, I managed to figure out that there was this group on Facebook called the Endo Warriors and they had come across the article and posted it. And um, I had no idea that these groups out there existed. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I was um, posting these essays, people were just like, people in my life were coming out of the woodwork and telling me like, oh yeah, I went through this. I had endometriosis. And I'm talking to all these people in this group and, and reading their posts. And I'm finding out like this experience wasn't uncommon at all. So my doctors were making me feel like they had no idea why my surgery didn't work. And it turned out that a lot of people with endometriosis have these repeat surgeries um, because they're not getting the, the more advanced surgery they're being put on this drug that doesn't actually cure them. Um, it only suppresses your symptoms while you're on it. Um, and I, and I'm hearing from like 
older people who were told like they had to have hysterectomies um, to treat it and other people who were told like just get pregnant, which was something else I was told in the midst of like going through a breakup and not being in any place mm. um, to want to get pregnant, which by the way, is a myth like getting pregnant does not cure something that's happening outside of the uterus, um, nor does hysterectomy, uh, since it is by definition not within the uterus. Um, so I was just like, um, it, it was like, it, just such a moment of like feeling connected to other people, but also feeling um, really angry. Like <laughs> my, my response a lot of times is anger and that fuel that inspires me a lot. So I, um, I had done this writing, uh, but then I started to think like, how, what can I do um, to help save other people from going through the, this year's worth of pain and um, the wrong treatments and feeling like they're some kind of freak because their doctors can't figure them out. Um, and I knew that there were, you know, obviously the group on Facebook that I found, and there are a couple other wonderful groups on Facebook, but I was like, I would really love it if there was a local group. Um, so oh, let's hold that thought. Yeah, let's, yeah, hold yeah. That, let's, let's hold that thought. You're about to drop some more. <laughs> we'll be right back folks. She's dropping jewels and gems right now. <laughs> Well, I don't want to. We don't want to give a little love, but let's let's hold up because I, I I see where you're going with this. We right back with these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm, located at 4341 Hartford Road. Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouthwatering cuisine, from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. With delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. No Picks After Dark podcast is sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. Enrollment for Maker Camp at Open Works is now open, offering half-day experiences for kids ages 8 to 12 in digital design, drones, and sewing. Maker Camp is a great way for kids to explore their creative side this summer. Sessions run July 11th to August 12th. Scholarships available. Learn more at www.openworksbemore.org backslash youth dash programs backslash. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Hey, folks, we are back with Miss Stacy. It's great. She's breaking down some jewels and gems, things that I'm learning right now. I'm actually taking notes 
everything she's talking about because I didn't know about a lot of these things. And I like to educate the audience. You know, this at this podcast, I don't want I want people to understand. I never box them. You can learn about everything. You can learn about here. You can learn about food. You can learn about culture. You'll learn about everything. Learn about health. That's what it's all about, educating people. And that's what this podcast is talking about, positivity, education. Hopefully somebody can get this and say, hey, I want to reach out. You know, so Miss Stacy's back on. One thing I want to take away that was, but has blown my mind, and I wanted to say this to you. You didn't really get diagnosed for how many years? Because it kind of blew me away. You said you you got it before you were like sexually active, I guess, or whatever, or whatever age might have been. And then, so it seemed like to me like a lot of years that you didn't like get diagnosed. I just want to make sure I'm correct on that. How many years or did you like you had to educate your doctor and your doctor gave you attitude because they got mad because you were doing their job. It sounds like to me. So how many years when you first found first was in that pain and then to the part where you got that surgery when it got burnt off, I guess, or that part. Yeah. Well, how many years was that? Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, so for me, I guess, uh, if you, if you think about when I started having symptoms is probably pretty soon after I went through puberty. Okay. Um, and I, I would have been, you know, I think 11 or 12 and I didn't get that diagnosis with that first surgery until I was 29. So wow. yeah, about 17 years. Um, and, and if you count like from when I actually brought it up to my doctor, or when I started seeing a gynecologist, I mean, that would have been like five or six years there. Um, yeah, and that's really common uh, with people with endometriosis. It's uh, estimated that it takes an average of seven to 10 years for a person with endo to get an accurate diagnosis. Okay, because I wanted to point that out. Because because the way it was counted years, I'm like, she's going this year, going this year. like, And that's a long time yeah. to be in pain. To be in pain and for somebody to like it's kind of like the one doctor didn't know he thought he cured you and it's like what are, what are we doing here like are you I'm not a science experiment like i need you to understand and learn and what doctor would you say was a breakthrough doctor who kind of like found out about it knew about it like how did like you i say you say you're a research and understanding but like was there a doctor out there that was like wow like they've treated this before like, how did you find, find, how did you find this endometriosis? How did you find it? Because it was there, but you said it's not scientific. Like, it's not something they can prove or whatnot. Not. Is it scientific now or not? It's still kind of like a myth thing or how does it work? Help us educate, educate us a little bit. I, I want to walk through this. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's a, another great point. Um, So I, I had had my first surgery and they were able to diagnose it for sure. They could see it. Um, but the problem was is that they didn't effectively treat it. Um, so what I learned is that that surgery where they burn it away um, is generally not that effective. If people have that surgery, if they have any relief, often they only feel about a year or two of relief and then they have to go back for another surgery. And the reason is because uh, when you burn it away, it's like getting the tip of the iceberg. There's tissue usually left underneath on, on the organs and tissues where it's growing that the, that the lasers can't get to. And in addition, the lasers cause more scarring than if, if you're cutting it away. So um, there are, it's estimated there's only about 200 doctors in the world 
who are specialists who can and really do that excision surgery, which is when they cut it away. Um, so for me, when I uh, got connected with the Endo Warriors group, um, I started talking to the two people uh, who run it and they were like, you got to see um, this, this doctor, Dr. Orbach. And she was in New York. Um, and, you know, since, since I went to school in New York, I still have a lot of friends there. And I was like, okay, like maybe I can make this happen. Like I have people I can stay with. Um, and I went up there for a consultation with her. And that was also an extremely validating experience. Um, she, you know, I kind of like, she was like, I have all your records, but you know, let me hear from you what your experience has been like. And I, I wasn't expecting to cry and I, <laughs> I was just crying. And she was like, honestly, like by the time people get to me, they've usually been through so much. Um, and she, that she was the one she's, she is a true expert. Um, she has written a book about it. Um, and she is kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of the research into it. So I learned so much from her, you know, she was the one who taught me like, no, that drug you were on, it doesn't cure it. Cause I was like, why didn't this work? And why didn't that work? And I, I learned so much from her. Um, and I ended up having a second surgery with her and having the excision surgery, which has, um, uh, definitely improved my symptoms quite a bit. Uh, like I said, there is no cure. Um, but now it's much more manageable. There's a lot to do in, in terms of lifestyle changes to really, um, make sure those symptoms kind of stay under control. Um, but, but yeah, she was, she was really a huge changing point for me. Um, but I do want to mention, um, that doctors like her are not accessible. Um, she, because of the way the insurance companies, uh, I was going to ask you insurance that was coming. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So the insurance companies treat the two surgeries as the same. Even though the excision surgery requires years and years of training and generally requires a lot more hours to perform. Um, and obviously, like I said, has a totally different result. Um, but they treat it the same. And so what that means is a lot of specialists like Dr. Orbach just do not accept insurance because it's not, it's not practical for them to do that. Uh, when another doctor's doing like 10 of these surgeries a day and they can only get through like one or two a day or, or something like that. Um, and, you know, while I don't blame them, the people who are really suffering are the patients. Um, I am a person who uh, has, has been fortunate my whole career to have employer-sponsored healthcare. Um, and... Um, I have a lot of privilege. And at, at one point I, I said, like, I, I can't go through with this. Like I can't afford this surgery. Uh, it's, you know, just outrageously expensive. Um, just the surgery alone. I don't mind being transparent about it because I think it's an important thing for people to understand just the surgery alone was $20,000. Um, that's not counting 
the travel for the trips I had to take back and forth to New York, the hotel, um, all the doctor's appointments I had to have ahead of time, you know, the, the pre-op physical and then the post-op and all of that. And I, I called my parents one night and I just said like, I can't, I can't have the surgery. I can't afford it. Um, and I'm really fortunate that they helped out with most of it. Um, but I understand that most people don't have that option. I was what, 31, 32. I didn't have $20,000 lying around. Um, and you know, so th this puts people in the position of, well, do I put myself into medical debt or do I just get sicker and sicker and accept that this is the state of my life? Um, that's it, really, uh, something that <laughs> makes me really angry. Cause like there, there's no, there's absolutely no good reason for that. Um, the insurance companies need to do better. Um, and it, it's really unacceptable. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. You, wow. 20, 20 K is a lot. That's yeah. Now, even when you went to the doctor's appointments up there, were they, um, as far as like, were they out of pocket also, or was insurance covering that part? All out of pocket. Um, wow. I think maybe like I had to have some labs, like just regular blood tests that were done that were covered by insurance, but there was an MRI that I had to have that insurance didn't cover. Um, and yeah, it was, it was all, it was very expensive, very stressful proposition. Wow. So tell us a little bit about the group that you have in Baltimore that you started and that you, uh, that you've created. Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I had that second surgery in 2017 and I started to feel a lot better. I started to be able to kind of look into some of those other like lifestyle changes. Um, I had already been going to acupuncture for several years. Um, I learned from my surgeon about pelvic floor physical therapy, which is something I was not familiar with outside of uh, some friends of mine who had given birth and went after giving birth. I didn't think of that as something um, that could help with the pain I was experiencing. Um, and so I started to add in those things. Um, and as I realized there were all of these great care providers in Baltimore outside of just like the mainstream doctors. But um, I see just a phenomenal acupuncturist at Sustainability Wellness in Towson. Um, I go to Indigo Physiotherapy, which is here in Baltimore. Um, and just trying to see like, oh, there's places like I can go for massage therapy, which I always had thought about as like a luxury. But my doctor was teaching me like, these are things that can actually really improve your health. And, and here's how, um, I was like, I wonder, you know, if there's other people in Baltimore who are going through this, I don't want them. I, one, I don't want people to have to waste all this time, uh, getting the appropriate care, um, and having to advocate for themselves, which, I mean, in our healthcare system, I think people generally do have to be able to advocate for themselves, but it's really hard when you're sick. So I just wanted to limit that as much as I could in my like small corner of the world. Um, and also know that, hey, like we have some really great resources here in Baltimore. Like, how can we just 
like be there for each other and connect each other to those resources. Um, so in 2018, I just created the group on Facebook. Um, I, you know, invited a few people that I knew had endo that I had just met or talked to about it over the years. Um, and we created a list of, um, member recommended uh, care providers in all kinds of different disciplines, mainstream medicine, alternative medicine. Um, and uh, we started having monthly meetups um, because even though, you know, I, like I'm really fortunate to have just like fantastic friends and family who were absolutely there for me um, is not the same uh, as being with people who have been through the exact same thing. And so just having like a couple hours once a month to like be in the presence of other people going through the same stuff, um, it was just incredibly healing. And we've been doing it ever since. It's called the Baltimore Flow. Um, I've ex We've extended it beyond endo uh, because there's a lot of other conditions that have a lot in common um, and also a lot of times are found with endo. So unexplained infertility, um, interstitial cystitis, which is painful bladder syndrome, uh, PCOS, polycystic ovaries, that has a lot of overlap and similar things going on. And kind of just these, um, I think people are talking about it a lot more, but, uh, you know, period talk is really stigmatized. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to give people a safe place. Um, and it's been awesome. Like I've met amazing people through it. Um, I've watched them become friends with each other, find resources, um, you know, talk about how to advocate yourself with your doctors um, and just get the care you need. Um, so yeah, and I, I would say anyone experiencing any of those conditions that um, hasn't already joined our fun little club <laughs> should absolutely come and join us. Um, it, it's a great community. You know, I, I wanted to say, you know, I'm so appreciative of you telling your story. That is oh, just, thank you. a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't tell their stories, um, you know, and, and I, it's something that I'm learning and understanding and, you know, you, empathy, sympathy, you got to understand what people go through. You don't know, you know, and what's endometrius month. And when it was the month, I was like, wow, like, wow, this is like, you know, and I saw some more people, women jump up and say, Hey, I'm suffering through this. I'm suffering through this. And I was like, okay, this is too much like flashing lights. Like what's going on? Like, let's, let's talk about this and whatever I can do on my platform to get the information out there, please don't hesitate. I mean, I would love to do it next year where we do a live show and have women talk about it on our stage. That would be amazing. That'd be something that really, I mean, just hold me to it, please. Okay. Um, I'm still doing the podcast at the time. Who knows? But <laughs> if I am, Hold me to that because that's something I could do so very special and something really, and we could do it at a certain venue. So that'd be fun to do something like that. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. I and I appreciate you being open to it because you know I'm. There's a lot of times like I will you know bring this up with someone or say like, hey, like maybe you want like an article, a blog post, something like that, and it's like, oh, no, that's not really our thing. And uh, I just appreciate uh, you kind of seeing the value in the message. Yeah. I mean, again, I always, I tell people I get like 50 requests a week and, you know, like I said, we were just chatting and you were like, Oh, I don't know if you do this. This could be out your wheelhouse. 
and nothing's really out the wheelhouse. You know, I, again, I always never want to be boxed in. And it's all educating and learning and learning, learning and understanding what other people go through. And that helps us as a people to evolve and to be diverse. Absolutely. Train of thought. And that's what it's all about. And this story right here is just really impactful. And I hope that if it reaches out to one person now, what do you want people to take away from this interview? What do you want them to say after they hear your story and hearing what you've helped out in the Baltimore community and whatnot? What do you want people to walk away with? Yeah, sure. Well, so first of all, you know, if you're here and you're living through this stuff, like join, join us. Um, if you're not into meeting in person, like, I'm an introvert. I get it. Like join the Facebook page and kind of lurk in the background and see what people are talking about. Post, don't post, contact me. I, I talk to all kinds of people going through this, but just know like you're not alone. Um, it can be a really isolating experience. If, if no one's telling you, if your doctors aren't telling you, Hey, this is actually really common. Um, statistically they think one in 10 people assigned female at birth have it. It's probably more. There's so mis so many misdiagnoses that, it's probably more. That's a lot of people. It's not actually a rare, unique thing. Um, and um, I'm always constantly yelling about, you know, advocate for yourself. Um, it can be really intimidating to go to a doctor's office and kind of have them say, look, oh, maybe this is in your head. People with endo get that a lot. Um, or, or say like, oh, maybe it's like, you know, gastrointestinal or something. And if you just, if you know something's not right with your body, like, advocate for yourself. No one knows better what is going on in your body than you do. Um, doctors are fantastic. They're experts. They, they learn a lot of things, but they don't know what it's like to be you. Mm -hmm. Um, so advocate for yourself. And, um, you know, if someone in your life is living with chronic pain, endometriosis, um, anything like that. And, uh, you kind of don't understand it when they don't want to go out all the time or they're always like kind of failing, just try to have some grace for them. Um, cause it can be, it can be a difficult thing to live with. Um, but it's also manageable. So it's, even though it's a condition without a cure, there's a lot you can do, um, to either help yourself or help your friend going through it. And where can we find what websites, what Twitter, are you TikTok? I don't know what people are doing now. There's just so many things. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, MySpace? I don't know. Everywhere else. Where can we find the group? Sure. So uh, the Facebook page, if you search The Baltimore Flow, you'll find us there. It is a private group uh, just to protect members' privacies. And, um, but, you know, everyone is welcome. Um, there's also the at The Baltimore Flow on Instagram. Um, I am on Instagram. I have a blog called Cramp Style. You can find that at crampstyle.me. Um, and the Instagram there is at Cramp Style Blog. So that's C R A M P E D Style, S T Y L E Blog. Um, and I do post a lot on Cramp Style about endometriosis, uh, but also about a lot of other things. Um, but the Baltimore Flow Instagram is where you'll find out when we're having events. Um, and the page is where you can come and be part of our little online community. Yeah, I know. I know it's going to be maybe a trick question here. Where can we find that Medium article? Is ah, that that's I'm a great curious. question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you talked about it, so now I want to read it now. I want to read the article. kind of. Sure, yeah. Um, so if you go to medium.com, 
um, and you search me, uh, which is Stacy S T A C I. No, that's a little bit of an unusual spelling. Uh, Wolfson, W-O-L-F-S-O-N. You'll be able to find all of the essays I've written um, on endometriosis. They are all there. Um, and that that one that I wrote way back, I guess that was back in 2016, uh, but it's still there. And you can find the whole series. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, no doubt, no doubt. You got to, you know, give props and find out the little history about everything. And that's what it's all about. So I'm going to ask you some, always ask every listener, five five mystery questions at the end. A little rapid fire. Okay. But, you know, we're going to do a little bit. So, all right. Chicken wings, you know, do you eat the drum or do you flat? What are, what are, what are you? What are you? Drums. Blue cheese or ranch? You know, I knew you asked this, and I kind of think of both. It depends on the day. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Crabs, can you hand dirty or you want crab cakes? <sighs> I do really like both. I, I'd say crabs. I think they're the rarer treats since that's like a summertime thing. Okay. 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 Are you a beach or are you a, a skiing person? Oh, I'm a beach person. I, I've been skiing once. I'm not great at all. <laughs> no, no. And what is the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I don't think this was advice that ever came uh, to me directly, but I think I actually heard it on a podcast, to be honest, which was uh, focus only on what you want to grow. Um, I think that's, that's always been like really helpful to me, especially thinking about the flow and, and things like that. Um, there's like a lot of stuff we can get caught up in and, um, get upset about and worried about. And, uh, but if you focus on like the one thing or the one or two or three things that you're really like passionate about, that's, it's going to grow. But if you're focused on the negativity and stuff, that's going to grow too. I love it. I love it. She dropped jewels. She dropped gems. We, I mean, I've learned, educated. Please, folks, go support, understand, educate it, educate yourself. Look on the medium, find her article, check it out. Thank you for, it's been an honor to listen to your story. And thank you for trusting me to talk with you about this story and how very important this issue is. And, uh, again, I'm honored to even have this conversation with you. So thank you so much for your time. I'm glad we finally made it happen. Hopefully we can do what the kids say in real life, IRL, in real life meet, and have a drink yeah. one day or something like that or coffee, whatever, you that. Want, whatever. But thank you so much for your time and telling the story. And I can't wait for people to listen to this episode. And um, I'm going to do a quick selfie with us before we go. Okay. But any last words you want to say? Uh, no, just thank you, Aaron. I'm, I'm really grateful for you being so open-minded about this and just uh, being enthusiastic about this this message too. It's, it's deeply, deeply appreciated. Hey, anytime. Again, we try the basis of this podcast from the beginning was the voices of the unheard. And I've never stressed, you might see me do some mainstream stuff here and there, but I never lose focus on what the whole, whole mission was, was. So I always try to do something like that and make sure the voices unheard are heard. And now your voice has been heard. And through podcasts, no picture dark podcast. People love peace. 
Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.